You are listening to the Enormo cast. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big place. That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And now, La Sportiva has joined the Enormo Nation as a premier sponsor. And of course, don't forget Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com, enter Enormo at checkout to get a discount on great coffee and to help out the EnormoCast. Please support all of our great sponsors and let them know. That you love them. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormous Cast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is August 20th, about 3.30 p.m. That's afternoon time, an odd time to be doing this. This is episode 87. On today's show, my friend Madeline Sorkin. And when I met Madeline years ago, I was comforted to know that the trad dream was still alive, especially among women. She was the young up-and-coming trad climber, and now that was quite a few years ago. So she's still keeping the dream alive, but who's next? Where's the next generation of cool head, scary climbing trad master, especially among the ladies? Maybe it's just hard to be like that until you're in your 30s. I don't know. You guys tell me. Are they out there? Are they getting it done? And I'm not talking about just a few pictures on Instagram of holding some cams near a crack. Real, dyed-in-the-wool, hardcore trad climbers. But that's neither here nor there, because we have one on the show, Madeline Sorkin. Okay, and this show is quickly replacing Mikey Schaefer on top of the heap, because I'm trying to get my schedule back to where it should be, beginning of the month, middle of the month, because that makes my statistics work. They're getting all wonky because of the way I'm putting shows out. So I'm trying to straighten that back out. But don't forget about Mikey Schaefer, episode 86. He's no longer on top of the pile. But if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. It's a great episode about photography, about alpine climbing, climbing in Patagonia, um, how to be a pro. And, you know, a lot of folks ask me for more alpinists. Well, there's one for you. Though he's primarily a rock climber. He's definitely climbed some big peaks. So... Go back and listen to Mikey. Don't forget about Mikey. All right, I dropped the commercials off of this one. Try to tighten it up a little bit. But I do not want you to forget that this show exists about half from your donations and about half from sponsorship and advertising, particularly from the marquee sponsor, Black Diamond, and our other premier sponsor, Sportiva. So here's the commercial. Support those companies. You support the Enorma cast. And though they see a value... Black Diamond, Sportiva, in advertising on this show. They can put their money to a lot of places to get advertising and marketing out there. So part of their decision to support the EnormaCast is a belief in the mission. I sat down, I explained the mission to those folks, and they got on board because they see the EnormaCast as something good for the climbing community, and so do I. And I think so do you. We've created our own little community here 
And I think it reflects very positively on the greater community. So you need gear, you need shoes. Black Diamond makes gear, Sportiva makes shoes. They make good stuff. Black Diamond's about to blow everybody up with some new cams coming out in 2016. They're floating around out there, but they're not for sale yet. 30% lighter. Holy crap. That doesn't sound maybe like a big deal to some of you, but when you lift the entire rack up, it's going to make a huge difference to you trad climbers. I mean, the number four weighs as much as the old number two. Who is number two? Number two is the gold one. In Sportiva, of course, I think they make the best climbing shoes on the planet. And here's another thing. They support Madeline Sorkin. They support a lot of climbers and not just the big names. Their list of ambassadors and athletes is huge. I just looked at it. And a company like Sportiva is helping to keep the dream alive for those folks so then they can inspire us. See how that works? Anyway, that's enough of that. Just think about it next time you need some gear. Okay, let's get on to the show. Madeline professed to be shy and to be a relatively closed person, but what we get into in this one is pretty deep, and she made herself pretty open and candid. And I hope you appreciate when people like Madeline come on the show and uh, allow themselves to be a little bit vulnerable, because those are the best ones, wouldn't you agree? The best of Norma casts. And I do my best to draw it out of them, but they have to be willing, and Madeline was willing. So I hope you really enjoy this one, A Conversation with Madeline Sorkin. I think a lot of climbing for me continues to be this kind of discovery and acceptance of who I am and that's I think that's why I keep climbing is it's like something about that just about not going into too long a tangent around it Here, but hold on oh we're in it yeah we just started you can't you can't use that why not <laughs> you fucking suck I thought we were just no, I know. riffing. I didn't. We are just riffing. Sounds good. I'm getting it's my, it's my, high on coconut water. It's my podcast way. Because mm-hmm. that's how podcasts work. And yeah, I, sag on in. But I like that. I like what you're getting at. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and start for real. Sounds good. Okay. Here so, we are. So um, yeah, I'm sitting in the mobile studio in Rifle, Colorado. I haven't actually done an interview out here in Rifle in a while. But I have done a few. So you're in excellent company. I'm sitting with Madeline Sorkin, who uh, has graciously allowed me to interrupt her evening and, and sit down <laughs> in the mobile studio. You've only been trying to track me down for about five years? Yeah. Well, more trying to get you to sit down. I see you all the time, actually. She's, she's a restless soul. <laughs> restless soul. And I was trying to think of, you know, I haven't done this in a while, but I used to always open with these things. But I was trying to think of when we met and how I know you. I think that we met in the desert. Right, in Indian Creek. Uh-huh. Like, was it I think a Thanksgiving? I was checking out some hot rig of yours. Um, probably. Were you with Kate? I think it was 2008 or seven. Yeah, it was a while back. It might have might have been the same time I met Kate too. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was in the Super Bowl. I think it might have been a Thanksgiving. Then and was, maybe not. Mm-hmm. 2008. Did you just maybe the snowstorm? Yeah, the big snowstorm. The yeah. snowstorm of 08. Yeah, that was the one. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get my van out. Yeah. No, a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Was, everybody spent the morning like trying to help people get their trucks yeah. out of there. Yeah. It's because it was like super nice. I mean, it was cold, 
and cloudy, but it was like totally chill until literally probably three in the morning. I think it started snowing and I woke up with my tent like collapsed like almost down uh -huh. to my face and I was just like <laughs> what the fuck is that and I'm like poof and I just push like a foot of snow off the tent Merry Thanksgiving well and the funny thing was is that everybody had gotten drunk and just like you know fuck it we'll clean up in the morning and right like, and so then you couldn't find any of yeah. your crap Tell you know everybody split that was. Yeah, yeah everybody split except for I mean literally there was me this guy Tom Ramier and uh couple other people i think maybe mason earl was around but you know then because you know like thanksgiving is kind of the close of the season anyway right and then that really just like shut the door but we were there and then and then it did actually melt in a couple of days and we found like all this awesome shit under the snow like knives and pots and pans and all these <laughs> beers and like just like everything just emerged from the earth so it was, that was kind of cool for the people who that stuck is around. cool it was very generous <laughs> of everyone right <laughs> Yeah, so we met there. Which I still, I think I still have some gear in here from that. Nice. So even though I, I don't think I was in this actually that time, but uh, but yeah, I got some. No, gear. I don't. I think it. This was new. Yeah. A year or two later. Yeah. So, anyway, but yeah, so we've known each other for a while and um, climbed a little bit together. Yeah. Um, we went and got roasted in the Black Canyon that one time. Yeah. What did we try to climb? We tried to climb uh, uh, Tag Your Time. Oh yeah, that yeah. was awesome. So we tried, we did tag your. We did the uh, first Astrodome. part. Yeah. We had an on-site or I had an on-site day, but yeah. we didn't. Uh, we did the bottom half of mm -hmm. Take Your Time, and then then you with your experience of the black were aware that we were moving way too slow. Well, it was also we we'd gotten way too hot. Yeah. It was pretty hot. Yeah. But then we had to do the Astro, uh, the the tag your Astro dog or whatever. Yeah, I thought it was a great link. Up. Yeah, but it's always exciting because um, and this is a far off a of field but and i remember that time as well is that you don't bring any um any like big cams and that pitch off of the the two bit two bowler bivy right is like all fists and hands it's a and long things. pitch and it's a super long pitch to yeah. do like with basically the rack for tag your time is one blue camelot and that normally you want to have like a four camelot and like a three blue camelot right i remember being minimum. psyched that i hadn't led that pitch right and you kind of took it because you said you knew it. Right, I and knew that. And then you stroked my ego by letting me lead like the harder pitch. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> I was such like, a nice oh, guy. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm just <laughs> that totally pitch. working my way up this. <laughs> that thing was heinous. I don't like that pitch, that Crooks pitch on there. No, it's, it's dangerous. It's super low percentage too. Like maybe for you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I don't remember. Have you got? You've gone back and done tag your time though, right? Uh huh. Yeah. How'd it go? Uh, done. Good. No false. Nice. Well, yeah. like, did you onsite the upper half? Uh -huh. Sick. Yeah. That's amazing. Even uh, the even the the, even boulder... the boulder problem. I had to like, I had to climb down. Yeah. Well, first. that doesn't count. I placed something. Forget and it. Climbed, climbed back down. <laughs> um, I thought the first pitch off of the two two boulder bivy, when I remember, was mm -hmm. sort of the technical mastery pitch, and right. then yeah, and then that upper pitch was. Definitely the hardest move, but short-lived. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great route. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about that. So you're primarily like you're in your soul of souls, your heart of hearts. You're a track climber. That's what attracts you? Or Absolutely. You, yeah. I think uh, just the level of engagement that I get to experience with track climbing uh -huh. and 
adventure. Defining adventure has been much more in the has occurred much more in the realm of trad climbing for me. Um, what where do you think that came from? It's a good question. I mean, I started with uh, trad climbing more than sport climbing, so that's kind of where I started dreaming about what I was going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of visions and wanting to climb big things, I don't know where that came from. I slept under a picture of Half Dome from well before, way before I was a climber. For, okay. Um, Why? I just liked it. Oh, you like to pick like an Ansel Adams shot or exactly, something? Exactly, like the Ansel Adams right. classic Half Dome Northwest right. Face photo. Where'd you grow up? Big suburb of D.C., okay. so Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, born in Miami, super flat oasis. Right. And uh, a lot of climbers come out of Miami. <laughs> yeah, it's a hot spot. Yeah. yeah, we've got Matt Siegel, crickets. Is he from Miami? I think so. Oh, right. right around. Cool. Yeah, that area, South South Florida. So suburbs and. As it goes with a lot of kids who grow up in the suburbs, camp is a really big deal for those of us that it it matters for. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I wanted that to go on for nine months of the year. Right. But that's that's where I started kind of having my first, I think, adventures um, was through camps, really. And when I was 15, I went to a camp in the South Flat of Colorado and... I was just looking for a climbing program at that mm-hmm. point and found one in the back of a climbing magazine. They had this little advert, just text of Outpost Wilderness Adventure. And uh, so I went there and um, did a rock trip, which they pretty much showed you how to road trip, climb, trad climb. Um, and there was a backpacking component to it. Um, it was a neat trip up into the Wind River Range, and okay. we went to Sinks, and uh, that's actually the one other time I've been to the Land Air Climbing Fest. Oh, right. Like 15 or 16. Um, <laughs> I just remember a pull-up competition. Uh-huh. Uh, but there was this lifestyle I was exposed to, the people who uh, ran the program, um, and the guides, they're often ski guides in the summer, or ski guides in the winter, and then climbers in the summer. And so I just saw this different way to live that made a lot more sense for me, I think. Um, I didn't realize I was a misfit, I think, for a while. Um, I I was a jock in school, and I was happy enough. But things definitely lit up for me from, like, age 12 on when I started having these summer experiences of getting to be in the woods more Uh Um, and just have this outlet in which... For whatever reason, that loaded as I was free, and there was just a lot more confinement feeling in, in the rest of my time, uh, the rest of the year. And so I think it, this symbol of freedom has always been a part of climbing for me. And so trad climbing is in some ways a better fit because you can go wherever you want to go in, on, in some way. Some, a little bit more than you can. You can go go to any mountain range and climb something. Right. Um, and then I think also just the partnerships and intense experiences in that regard. Um, the friendships I've formed with people through climbing or just having those intense experiences. I was 
really wanting that kind of connection in my life too. And there's, I think that's a bigger aspect of trad climbing too. Right. Um, I think technically it's just suited me as well. Like I love being a technician. I mean, I like doing a powerful move or two and then kind of finessing my way up something and solving these complex problems as you, I love onsighting mm -hmm. too. So climbing something around my limit and seeing if I can um, pull it off and level of commitment and type of commitment has been really important with my climbing. Uh, never been able to boulder for right. very long. Uh, and then sport climbing, I've certainly gotten more disciplined around at different times. Often there's been this big wall goal or uh, that has kind of driven me to stay disciplined and stick with a project uh, in sport climbing because it gets me fitter. Right. Um, but in terms of level of commitment, uh, I've just found I perform really well when there's no other distractions. So what's worked for me is being higher off the ground. So that. tell me about, um, tell me a little bit about that. So you, 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 you kind of have this sort of, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's like an old school attitude of like, the small roots are there to prepare you right, for the big roots. Right, super old school. Yeah. And that's shifted, but that's what I think I, that's the storyline that I ate as uh -huh. a young kid. And right. it's really hard to shake that. I think that's, it's really hard to shake that And you're later. 33, is that what you said? Yeah, I'm yeah. 33. And this was all happening. I started happening. climbing when I was 16. Yeah, so. um, and it was something I did in the summers until I was about 20. And I stopped playing lacrosse and doing other silly sports and just wanted to climb. So did you go back to this same place a few times, this, this one you found in the Platte, like a couple few summers in a row? Oh, yeah. I went to this camp. I mean, I guided for that. Oh, you, then I, you switched into guided I, for them. I went there that summer, and then I called my parents and told them I was staying, and I was on work crew that summer. Uh -huh. And then and then I was an intern the following year, uh -huh. and and then I started being an instructor until right. my mid-20s. Yeah. So. I would sometimes just work one trip for them, mm -hmm. but I was pretty active with them for a long time. And there's just this, there's a family feel to it. And it was about having adventures and having fun. Um, mm -hmm. I would compare it to Knowles over Outward Bound in the sense of it, there wasn't much kind of facilitation of right. your emotional experience, sure. um, which might have actually been useful for me. <laughs> but I was really happy to not deal with it right, then. So right. I was like, we're just going climbing great. I love these people. Right. It's so simple. Uh, but there was, in retrospect, there were things that were happening during that time that it would have been probably helpful to have that kind of support happening too. Um, and people to... Are you willing to, uh, you know, a go lot deeper into that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think... Um, I was super closeted with being gay and just not really, I think I was born shy mm -hmm. and that kind of, yeah, environment personality, it was, it was really hard for me to come out okay. and it took me until I was 20 to come out to really myself and then slowly other people and that's a really that's a really 
I think that's a sore spot for me because I think about this kid that I was at age 10 and I was really self-aware already by somewhere between 10 and 12. Like I knew I was different. I knew I really couldn't care less about the guys my friends were talking about or just mm -hmm. sort of having boyfriends to have a boyfriend and poor boyfriends that I dated because they just felt I think whatever. that's pretty common Doesn't matter though, don't you? Then. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, at then. that age or up through high school. But, um, yeah, I just, more what I feel, I feel for that kid of me who um, just repressed this whole part of, like, I had the self-awareness, but mm -hmm. just didn't, um, didn't talk to anybody about it. Sure. Didn't, uh, yeah, have a, t find a means to be curious with it, really. Mm -hmm. And, um so instead, I think I still live with the effects of that, of not trusting myself in, um, in what, what my experience is, what my truth is, because that's such a formative time in your age. And that's, this is my storyline around it, but that's such a formative time in your age. So if you're not listening to yourself and sort of repressing that part of yourself, um, it becomes this habit of, oh, I'm having this experience and cool, I'm gonna act a different way. I'm gonna um, pretend it's not happening. And really that pretending it's not happening, I mean, that's been really destructive to my path and my relationships and what have you. And so that's where, honestly, climbing was largely positive for that just in terms of me gaining confidence in myself mm -hmm. and um, getting to tap into all this power that we all have as human beings, but just to tap into who I am and what I'm capable of. And I really left my sexuality out of that right. until a lot later, and I wish I hadn't, but it still just gave me this, like, just some sort of rock in a way about myself. Uh -huh. So I think it's helpful in a lot of ways. And then what I talk about in terms of, well, I went to this camp that we really didn't do the whole touchy-feely part of it um, that some camps facilitate really well. Um, I think my sore spot around that that I'm saying is that that has been just this, it continues to be a growth area for me to ha like learn how to express what my emotional state is or okay. bring that. So, and I think that's just... Climbing can be a difficult activity to do, and um, especially committing climbing. And if and it's an easy area to negate your emotional experience. Absolutely. In. And so yeah. I was gonna. I was kind of hoping. I'm gonna like, jump into yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So and so the habituation that's happened through climbing from that is uh, very real. Right. Well, I mean, because yeah. I was just thinking, especially with like the type of these big adventure goals these things have, it's almost like, well, this is going to be hard enough without me like bringing this also, yeah. you know, these things, you know, because I, when you started to talk about it, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the feeling you have is like you, you leave and you go on these expeditions and whatever, you know, problems you're having, it's like, well, I can't bring these with me because it's already hard enough and right. I'll deal with this shit when I get home and six weeks or eight weeks or whatever do you know right. is that, is that maybe so part of it a little bit yeah i think i've had this desire i think 
that's gotten louder and louder in the last couple of years to bring all those experiences with me to climbing mm -hmm. and learn how to have them and still be a climber. And it's really, really hard because that, and that's, that's what's, um, I think this part of the stage that I'm in with climbing now is, you know, I want to keep climbing for the rest of my life. Can I do it in a way that's quote unquote healthy for okay. me? And I think that's, um, that's still, that's just, honestly, I think that's an ongoing question. Right. Um, yeah, but what would your alternative be? <laughs> my alternative of like what I would do? Like, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you're like, you know, this climbing thing, is there some other activity you could imagine yourself or dedicating yourself to that would fulfill the other half as well? I mean, other than just, I mean, you're like giving up climbing because it interferes with relationships or? Um, I guess under that is this assumption that I'll continue to climb okay. for my life. But it's still just this question of if I can do it in a way that's like kind to myself and my relationships. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can certainly go to like, go to all or nothing thinking around it. Uh, okay. And that's you know, the mentality that I've taken with climbing historically. So that makes sense just in terms of mission-oriented, kind of all or nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I've wanted to pull back from that more recently mm -hmm. um, and do what's harder for me, which is integrate. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Well, it's interesting because... You know, you started this this path we're on right now, talking about being closeted and coming out and all those sorts of things. Yeah. But really, you know, it's also pretty universal. You know that Our climbers. Well, I'm just saying with climbers, it's like, you know, dedicating all this time, effort, and ignoring other parts of their lives. I mean, For that's sure. not it's not just like a gay or straight thing. It's like yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I'm sure it has its own own twists and turns in terms right. of that. Right, sure, its you own know. personality, yeah. but. I think in terms of climbers repressing aspects of themselves or in terms of being willing to engage in whatever their like emotional environment is internally while climbing, I think that we're really good compartmentalizers. Oh, for sure. And that's, you need to be on a level with climbing, so. Well, um, yeah, I guess that's what I mean. I mean, there's like, you do need to kind of, there's, I mean, literally times when you need to shut off all that stuff where you're going to not survive or whatnot, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think the hilarious thing for me has been like this. I was just on a trip with, I was telling you with my friend, Sarah climbing long multi-pitch climbs in this area in Morocco called the Tajia Gorge. And, um, really it's overall pretty low commitment. I mean, it's all bolted and what have you. And yeah, but you're in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of I nowhere. Mean, if you get hurt, you're, it's going to be a while. For, I mean, so there's commitment yes. beyond the fact that it's bolted. Yes, right. but what I can watch myself do is try to make the situations in some ways more committing, especially like single pitch sport climbing. I'll like, my brain will start trying to find ways to make it more committing or just sort of more engaging for myself. Uh, as I've said, there's just like more of a type of commitment that I think I perform better at. Mm -hmm. And, um, just in terms of creating kind of a false environment 
I think sport climbing has illuminated that right. the most for me where I'm like, I have to get to the top of this one or what have right. you. And it's just not true or, um, well, you were going to say, you were going to make yeah. a point with the climbing with Sarah and the Tagi Gorge. Oh yeah. Sorry. sorry. Interrupt, interrupted you. Oh, well, that was a, the point was that even there, I mean, getting to go on a climbing trip with a good friend is entertaining in some ways because they, they know you better, so they're going to, like, hold the mirror up a bit more of your, like, neuroses. And um, I think before the trip, we had this kind of, I was a big sister, she was a little sister dynamic. Because you're, what did you say, 10 like, years apart? Six years older. Or six years, yeah. right. And by the end of the trip, her, like, common line to me was, go fuck yourself. Because she was finally standing up for herself and not taking me, like, pressuring her into doing something. And I was... I mean, my tendency is I just want to kind of like push it. I always want to push the limit. I always want to take it to the next level, even if we're, it's sort of an asinine goal for us or, cause sometimes you pull it off. Right. Uh, and I think, um, I think learning that I don't always have to push it with climbing, um, is hard for me. Like I, I just, I like pushing it, but that has, it has, uh, consequences always pushing it so it's be nice to be able to like go climbing and just have fun mm -hmm. some days um and so certainly i've gotten better at that but well you're here in rifle i'm here in rifle I mean, how, do you do stuff here to like you know <laughs> yeah i'm gonna do 30 pitches today or i'm like you know i don't know no instead of walking across the bridge i'm gonna wait through the river yeah so <laughs> i'm training always training <laughs> Well, mm. did you have some sort of uh, mentor or anything in terms of like somebody at this camp? I mean, again, I, I yeah, like I think you have this, you know, you sort of explain some of these influences, but is there a, cl a climbing person that instilled any of this, these things into you, these goal oriented, this like, you know, pushing it? Um, like where did that, I mean, maybe not, but did you yeah. have, have mentors at this camp? Someone that you... I don't know about in terms of pushing it, right. but, um, in terms of adventure and, mm. uh, well, I guess it's kind of, the, there were I mean, definitely pushing it or sort of the same. Yeah. Thing there way. wasn't just one, but, um, yeah, definitely Q and Mark Beardsley, who are two of the like main mm -hmm. guides at camp. Mark Beardsley wore high socks and had a painted, helmet with birds and stuff I on went to it and you did yeah. okay and he had he was just this incredible guy really mm. a soul climber yeah for lack of a better description smart soft-spoken uh and would just take you on an adventure and he really imparted that sense of adventure on anyone he climbed with mm. and i think that was very apparent and easy to appreciate right. quickly about him um and Q was just pure fun, and you didn't really know what you were going to do with him that day. But on top of that, there was an instructional kind of safety background to climbing with them, and I learned a lot from them. And we also brought in uh, Craig Lubin to teach our guides trainings. Okay. And then I did an AMGA Advanced Rock Guide course with Craig Lubin in 2005, and then climbed with him some after, climbed with him after that. and. I considered him a mentor and definitely learned a lot from him. And he's one of those people um, who loved teaching people how to climb. Also kept the heart of what I 
started discovering was what was the most important part of climbing, like having this adventure and what a fulfilling day felt like um, in terms of pushing yourself a bit, seeing what you're capable of, sharing it with other people. So there were a handful of mentors and um, some friends that I had, like my formative formative adventure time. So you, did, you went to CC too, right? Yeah, I went to CC. Colorado College, or, yeah. or uh, Colorado Springs. Yeah, um, yeah, liberal school. In, very, um, very strong in, outdoor program. Yeah, program, very strong outdoor enthusiast, right, for sure. Right. And very much, I mean, conducive to this kind of binge mission-oriented approach to climbing because you take one class there for three and a half weeks that counts as your semester credit and then you have four and a half days off and so you're scheming all block of what can I cram into these four and a half days okay. where can we go where can we climb good for me I mean I think already predisposed to I like unitasking every one thing to focus on that's uh -huh. just the way I'm wired and uh, a place like that um, yeah, you get to scheme up some compressed adventure and what you get to do. And I think the the history of that place was really inspiring. I mean, strong trad ethic amongst students um, throughout the years. And a lot of students climbed in the Black Canyon, or alumni climbed in the Black Canyon at some point. And, um, yeah, there was folklore, and then there were the kids that you were just having adventures with. There are a number of students who still climb very yeah, seriously yeah. who well, graduated I mean, Kate, from Kate's there. Kate's been on the show. She went yeah, there, Kate, right? Yeah, Kate, Renan, Osterk. Uh, Will Gad went there for a couple of years. Right. Um, well, let me ask you this. So you came out when you were 20. So you uh -huh. were at CC? Yeah, senior year. Okay. And yep. was, uh, so you went through the whole college experience. I did. It seems like, I mean, thinking about a liberal place like that. It seems like I would just freaking, it's easy for me to get angry at myself about okay. not having fun and then coming right. out earlier. But I kept it kind of conservative for myself for the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. I was on the lacrosse team. It's kind of like sorority, honestly. Right. And then I pretty much started dating somebody on the lacrosse team who also that was her first girlfriend. Okay. You know, this whole sort of stressful event um, where it was like, oh, I'm just in love with this one. It's just this person, you know, and mm -hmm. that was my first step towards being able to accept myself, okay. I think. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know why it took me so long, honestly, but it did. I mean, you're going to college with a bunch of kids, a bunch of smart kids. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, not, I pretty you don't much, get into CC I, as I a slouch. I kind of avoided some right. of the more liberal kids, really. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's no. Just, but what I was going to say is, you got a oh. bunch of smart kids at CC because yep. you don't go, you don't get into CC as, a, no. as an idiot. So I can't imagine, honestly, that by the time you were a senior and you'd been hanging out with these people for four years, that was oh, everybody like, know. oh my God, I'm oh, so no. surprised. No, they, yeah. they're, of course, sure. Right. Thanks for finally being able to say it out loud. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I mean, uneventful. Right. My coming out was uneventful. <laughs> I would imagine. That's <laughs> what I was getting at. They'd be yeah. like, oh, uh huh. Well, yeah. are we climbing this weekend? Or? And same with my <laughs> right. family, largely. Mm -hmm. I mean, my mom's side of the family, my mom's British, and it felt really important for me to come out to them. But what I always found amusing about my coming out to the British side of my family was 
I literally was sitting across the table with my grandma and said something along the lines of, I have a girlfriend or I'm gay. And she's like, oh, that's nice. Pass the butter. Right. Like, that is sort of the British way. Totally. Don't make a fuss about <laughs> right. anything. Right. Could you just, like, not talk about your personal life? Like, it's all. almost offensive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, ah, I'm just this serious American. I really want right. to share with right. you this deep self-discovery that I'm going yeah. through. That's so really We don't great. do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Where were we going with? Well, I was that just process? curious. Well, I guess I was asking you because you said something about community, and um, and I it just made me think about the CC community and about the climbing community and everything else. Yeah. And, and I guess I I'm also curious, like, and this is kind of a larger question. Um, you know, I talk on this show about, and I and I do believe this to a certain extent of like how one of the reasons I climb and like climbing community is important to me is because, um, I think they're a cut above. I think they're, I think that that when I go out into the, the larger world and into other realms, I'm just like, I'm yeah. less interested in, in like, I, I find more assholes and I, and I kind of have always like gotten into climbing to get away from that. So as I was thinking about this and, and actually I've thought about this in you before, it's like, you know, am I naive? Are we accepting of, of, you know, the LGBT, is there a, another letter in there now? LGBTQ. Q. But anyway, the community. Tea. You've got tea in there? No. Yeah, I did you're get good. the tea in there. Are we the same? Are we better? Are we the same? Are we worse in terms of, of acceptance of these sorts of things? You know, because I know that, like, as it's a very guy oriented sport. Right. It traditionally continues to be, although not as much as it once was, obviously. And when guys are around guys, you know, I mean, even something as simple as all the spooning jokes and all these sorts right, of things. Right, it's like you most know. homoerotic sport. Yeah, yeah. But. You know, and and I was just curious, like, what your perspective on it is and whether or not that was true, that at CC and in this climbing community, everybody was like, uh-huh. Or was there any sort of, like, pushback or any sort of problems or has there ever been? Yeah, uh... Right. Have I ever found sort of reality towards my fears or towards right. my... And um, I would say what's been my personal experience worked in my favor sometimes in terms of being able to go on trips with dudes with possessive girlfriends. Like, oh, Madeline's not a threat. Great. Right. Um, in terms of being accepted or not accepted, yeah. I I would say no. I, I think um, there is... There's a macho aspect of the sport that I think talking to gay men, it's, I think it's harder. Um, to... I would, you know, and, and actually that's something that I had sort of assumed or like in my own thought processes, I said to myself, like, yeah, I bet you it's, it's a lot. It's, and I mean, because I don't know, I know a couple gay climbers, male climbers, I don't know them, know them, but I know mm -hmm. of them. That's yeah. more of the phrase. But, you know, it's with, you know, even if you go on the sort of, you know, there's you throw all these percentages around of who's gay, who's not gay. Yeah. Even if you go on the low end, it means that there's more than we think. And I think it would be sort of hard to be, it's such a, like you said, a macho sport. I think it would be hard to be openly gay in like this rifle community or yeah. at least initially maybe, you know, but I think all these things it always, all these sorts of things, it feels like we just come around to being like, oh, you're a climber. 
Yeah. You know, I think once you you scratch below the superficiality, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a very accepting um, environment. But I do think it's very heteronormative. Yeah. um, And then you just, there just isn't the representation Mm -hmm. that's obvious. And so it's, you have to either be like wanting to stick out or willing to stick out on some level. And so that's, I think that comes down to personality. Right. And so there's probably more people who, are gay who just aren't it's people aren't aware of it right. they're not announcing themselves mm-hmm. or um well i think I, I think that's very possible to do because um and i've had this sort of conversation with other people but like at least among my guy climber friends yeah or and especially like people who i'm acquainted with i'll climb with but i'm not like close friends like my girlfriend always asks me like well what did you guys talk about today you know and i'm just like I don't know. I don't remember. You know, like, we never, like, we don't go that deep. Like, you know, it's like you could come into Rifle and Climb for the weekend and not, I mean, unless you wanted everybody to bring it up, like, I don't know. But, of course, then I think about, like, just guys being guys and we're we're unaware and who knows. But but I'm just saying you can can be in a climbing community on a very surface level and and have a good time. Yeah. And I think if you're searching for something Mm -hmm. different, then... Mm -hmm. It's when you kind of look for different pockets within the climbing community. Sure. So, I mean, I think the most accepting group that I've ever gotten to be a part of was going to the Homo Climbtastic annual event. I was hoping you would bring up the Homo Climbtastic annual yeah. event. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't gotten to go back. It was Does this actually amazing. happen annually? I mean, I think it's, it's happening next weekend or it's annually the New River Gorge in the middle of the fucking summer, um, sweaty, not many clothes, you know, more guys than girls, but about a hundred some participants there, and there are straight people there as well. Right. Well, that's what got- Fayetteville. It happens in Fayetteville, right. freaking West Virginia, mm-hmm. and that town just takes the event under its wing. They love the. They love the event. I mean, but see, it's the thing is, is this too, event but- is like, like I've heard of it. Maybe I'd heard of it before, but then I heard of it from you because you went a while ago. Yeah, I made t-shirts and for it's, it. Yeah, it's you awesome. made the t-shirts. And otherwise, it's not like on anybody's radar. I know. But the as, isn't as blown the Enormacast, I need to go to this thing. I mean, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a journalist. Yeah. yeah and, and when you said you were going and you were making t-shirts and all that sort of thing, I was just like, I have to go to this. I yeah. have to go to this thing. So I need to find out more about it. Yeah. But if it's already happening this weekend, I'm not going. But... It's in the next couple of weeks. It's always it like it's towards the to end of July. Uh huh. <laughs> towards the end of July, and yeah, when I went, I got to give a slideshow, and then there was this fun uh, singing drag queen aspect to the show, um, and then it's just people going climbing. Right. Beside that, and there was a film being made that summer too. So it was kind of special when I went out because I went out with a friend who's in their 60s and was transitioning from male to female at the time. And so that was a really big deal for her and just the beginning of her process and finding this community. She also gave a slideshow and just like, it was a very different crowd than um, this person, grew, you know, as a male in the climbing community from the 60s, Seven, 60s and 70s on. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. very different i mean that's 
that's the time period in which wouldn't have been nearly as accepting um, for this person to be out in whatever way they would have been out. But it was special for me to just realize that there is this level of comfort that comes from, you know, being with your quote unquote tribe. And it's one of those things of we find that in our climbing community, Mm -hmm. but then it's, it is even more nuanced than that. It's not as though you connect with every single climber. Um, There's certain kinds of people. And I think uh, this group, while different in the sense of they just want to go have fun and I can't really fully identify with that from my climbing perspective. Right. Um, the much more kind of liberal with their sexuality and um, liberal in terms of like expressive. Like I don't mm-hmm. think about climbers as very expressive with their sexuality. No, I guess that's um, what I was trying to get at earlier. Like, yeah, you know, not necessarily anyway. Yeah. It's a comforting environment for me to practice being myself in, mm-hmm. which... Mm-hmm has, as I've said, been challenging for a long time. And I'm much better, quote-unquote, at it now than I've ever been. Let me go back a little bit, because we're, we're like, dancing around something that you sort of uh, talked about a little bit before we started recording. But, you know, you got out of college. You decided to become, essentially, something of a full-time climber. You have sponsors now, but it wasn't always that way. But you've always, more or less, like, the last... 13 years or whatever, you've cobbled together this climbing lifestyle of yeah. mostly living on the road, whether it was working jobs or, you know, or guiding more. Mostly not working. Yeah, mostly not working. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, this arc of, you keep coming back to this, like, is climbing fitting with my, my <laughs> self-image? Am I, you know, are you becoming more self-aware? Like, <laughs> you know, what, what have you learned, you know, what from this I sort learned? of adventure? I mean, you seem a lot, I mean, I don't know, I didn't know you when you were at CC, but um, yeah. other than being just sort of a little bit shy, and, and I wouldn't say shy, but you, you have a tendency to not want to be in the the Lime center Lime. of things. I mean, even yeah. the center of whatever's like loudmouth thing is happening at the crag or anything right. else. And, yeah. But I just, just, you know, chalked it up to a personality trait, but um, and not yeah. necessarily one that I would call negative. But um, right. yeah, I mean... Talk a little bit about this. Like you're you're a grown up now. You, where are you at with uh, with sort of like the self awareness and the things that climbing has brought you? I think I'm increasingly inco- uh, increasingly comfortable, like more comfortable mm-hmm. with you myself, and just data reinforcement of it's okay to be myself kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I've found the climbing community largely accepting. I mean. There's judgment on all kinds of levels that people throw around, but it, I think I find that stuff quite superficial. Yeah, we're generally. very judgy. I mean, we're in terms of climbing, judgy. like, oh, very that guy, judgy, he can't even climb. Why like, is he even trying that? If you scratch right. under the yeah. surface, what have you. Right. And I think um, climbing was an easy in for me of just gaining acceptance of, oh, she climbs hard and she's brave and bold, and I just sort of got to have that and so then I could just sort of play around with if I'm going to analyze myself (laughs) play around with being accepted in an environment and so I've thought that climbing has been a pretty accepting environment for me and I'm able to I think apply that to the rest of my life a lot better now are you I mean Um, you're aware that people are inspired by you I mean you you're you're someone who I at least for me as well like um, I've always been like, 
looking around like who especially with women like who are coming up as tri climbers yeah you know and but it's not just women it's both i mean it's kind of like i yeah. get worried it's this dying art you know and so when i met you yeah. i was like wow i mean like it's I, still happening <laughs> yeah and it's also cool but but does that help i mean does it help that we as a as as in people around you and and probably especially women are like you're rad like is that helpful at all like any accolades that you get or any sort of yeah no, that's a good question i i've generally considered it supportive yeah yeah and hopefully... I mean, it is kind of cool right like yeah i think it's cool <laughs> i think it's cool if you can inspire somebody else to be like oh that's badass i wonder right. if maybe that's something i'm interested in doing mm -hmm. um and i think it's been totally relevant to me in terms of the woman thing to go on trips with women and do hard climbs with other women, um, not just because they're hot and I want right. to hang out with them, <laughs> but <laughs> because it's still relevant. It's still totally relevant mm -hmm. that that you're climbing with another woman loads differently. Mm -hmm. And there's just, I think it's bullshit if people say otherwise. Uh, overall, I mean, there's certainly been situations where I'm the caretaker of climbing with other guys and I'm just the rope gun. But with another woman, there's a partnership there often that, if you can find it, sharing in like a mutual responsibility for the trip and your objective, and it it feels like it feels like a greater responsibility in some way. And why that is, I think in some ways it's just because you're working with a lot of the same kind of strengths and weaknesses, mm -hmm. demons and heroines and what have you. And so you inspire one another more on some level, and then you also get broken down in the same ways. I think. Pro the way you process your emotional state and such. And so it it asks more of me to emotionally support another woman on a trip than it does often with a guy. Well, let me finish up here because it's gotten heavy. We've gotten into the yeah. the gender and the sexual politics. Now. Yeah, let's just talk about climate for a minute. <laughs> so you actually were were joking a minute, before, again, before we started recording about this point of pride with you. And I want to use that as a, as a place to to sort of go with your climbing. Oh, sure. but what, what was it that you said to me? Oh, uh, that my point of pride is that the hardest I've read pointed is the same on El Cap as it is on a sport climb uh -huh. or just, you know, 50 feet off the ground. And so in terms of I've sent 13C on the ground and I've sent 13C 3,000 feet off the ground. That's a point of pride because most people I know who send hard on a route on El Cap climb harder than that grade. And sure. so... I think I think that's I think, the standard thought. Yeah, you sport yeah. climb much harder than you you climb on big routes or you climb track climb or whatever. Like sport climbing is yeah. where you hit your highest grade. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think the technical aspect, the technician side of climbing on rock like on El Cap mm -hmm. is some of the more stimulating climbing. What route are we talking about? Uh, the Premier Wall. I sent the crux pitch of, and that's and, and this, for our for our podcast audience. She just made a stemming motion. <laughs> yeah, so the stemming corner. Um, this isn't a video, so yeah. I just wanted to elucidate that. When she said the premiere, she yeah, there's made a little this little stemming. penguin thing right. happening with the hands. Uh, yeah, there are a couple of the raddest, baddest pitches that I've mm -hmm. gotten to lead. The premiere route I sent through the cracks, which is pitch 24, mm -hmm. 26, somewhere in there. Um, and then. We didn't finish. My partner couldn't do it. It was our fifth day in this heat wave. And right. we, we finished the route, but we didn't finish freeing it. Uh -huh. So that was disappointing. It's been this nagging thing of going back to. But 
You have to do it in January, apparently. <laughs> apparently, that's when now. you send. Yeah. Um, At night in January. Yeah. That pitch was one of the more meaningful pitches, I think, to me, because it had, probably just because it has all of the makings of it. If I go back to, I wrapped into the root on my own two weeks before it and stashed water for my partner Joe and I. And when I was on it, I met two aid climbers there and I'd wrapped down maybe as much as 900 feet down. I don't think it's quite that much. A lot of static line and it was a mission on my own. So I was kind of gripped about, it's always scary wrapping over the top of El Cap. And I had this beta from Nick Berry about which beaners you clip and it was very sketchy beta, you, just you know. Just your Nick Barry impression <laughs> for a second. Nick Barry. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, it's no big deal. Alex statement, but Nick Barry style. And so, yeah, you clip, make sure to clip a locker to this pin and clove it off here. And, I mean, I had this scribbled down beta and found the right tree to wrap off of. But you're coming into the route, not on the route. Um, and so it's just kind of frightening. And so I'm wrapping down with a ton of static line on my own and just a ton of water too to stash for uh, three days of climbing from there. So I wrap down, I get down to this crack stem pitch and it just looks impossible. And I meet these aid climbers and they're super friendly and let me practice going up and down it. <laughs> I think, oh, this is actually totally possible. So I'll go up and down it a few times and it's, you're just pasting your feet and your hands in the same place it's kind of I mean it's kind of a crack climbing technique once you get the technique down you know what to do is this open corner mm -hmm. system and you hammer pins in the back of it when you lead it and then put some slings on that those and you you're way out from them so you just have all this space and then you're clipping them as you scoot up it until you get to a kind of roof part and then you start placing some cams but I jumared back out and like pulled my ropes out and slept up on top and just felt like that satisfaction of oh I can possibly climb that pitch and I just did that on my own that was kind of cool I've actually figured out where the where the hell to get to on the wall mm -hmm. and so that's the kind of stuff I find satisfying but then I get down to the bottom in the morning I slept on top I said and one of the aid climbers had died Right, pulled the block out. Yeah, and um, it was a really surreal, upsetting experience of, uh, I think, you know, I got down to the valley floor and was trying to figure out why everybody was down there and why there were ambulance trucks, and I see Mason's body hanging below this roof that's right where the stem corner is. Uh -huh. And... Um, yeah, his body's just swaying there at the end of his static line because he had cut his lead line. Right. And fell the 200 feet to the end of his static line. And first I'm just wondering, you know, how did I influence their trip? And God, did I just fucking contribute to this and just that kind of stuff? After, I mean, and just the, um, yeah, I think after absolving myself from that, just... Um, what we all go through with somebody dying, like trying to reconcile that. And this like the, it's just horrific. I mean, it's so not necessary and it happens and um, it's hard to know what to do with it, right. like where to put it. And uh, so I think for me, it 
tainted that route a bit and I was very conflicted about whether or not I wanted to go up it. And in the end, I mean, as I've said, I like overcoming adversity Mm -hmm. and I like contrived all or nothing things. And I think that's part of like part of what put me up there is wanting like just getting into this kind of like warrior space around it. I don't know how to better say it, but it is, uh, I just think the psychology of climbing is really interesting. So we ended up climbing it, deciding to climb that. We were debating between that and maybe just doing a different route and not mm-hmm. having to be on that. And nobody else was climbing on that route. So we tried to have a little fundraiser for Mason and drew a huge heart with chalk in that area where his body had been. And I think, um, yeah, it felt like a lot to overcome for me to lead that pitch. So that was, yeah, in terms of ghosts and the actual challenge of the pet very engaging memorable pitch mm-hmm. and part of that is the experience what when i actually led it was just this total focus you know mm-hmm. and i think that's what we all have hoped to have in our peak experiences with climbing um and uh so does that influence whether or not you want to go back i mean having just, had a peak experience on yeah, it yeah and like I yeah because now it's like it's kind of like I think it I mean, was not so to influence even more, but it's kind of like gonna just be work to have to send that pitch again. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I think it was right. A, it was so meaningful at the time, right. and then B, yeah, just it totally. It's like oh, I gotta, I gotta climb that pitch again. I already fucking did it, or whatever. I yeah, mean, it depends on what style you wanted to do it. And, yeah, but, no, I was, I was in Yosemite last fall working as a climbing steward and being a really uh talented dirtbag mm-hmm. i am um whatever we mean by did that you have to actually now. like talk to people and stuff as a climbing steward? i did it, <laughs> it was really really rough. hard for me like most people would think oh i just have to stand on the bridge and talk <laughs> to people like that was i had to psych myself up so much for that and then i would have to recover you know to talk to that you're gonna have to recover the, after this the ask a climber program <laughs> jesus that was rough. <laughs> Dad was going to be like, why aren't you saying anything today? Uh, I spent it all last night. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I need to recharge. Um, you were in the, in the valleys of the climbing steward. Yeah, and I that. got myself um, all prepped with a climber ranger, Eric. He also wanted to try it. And uh, we got ourselves prepped to climb the route again. And I felt like I was just trying to swim upstream on a level of um, just not motivated to send some of the pitches that I mm-hmm. thought were a pain in the ass and um, we went up the beginning part and I was just like such a pe- royal pain in the ass to myself and Eric um, and then we got postponed from weather and I made the really great call to go try to climb free rider in a day because that's something I've always wanted to do and pulled it off actually having not prepped I pulled it off through all of the cracks climbing and then we got, I got to like Knights of the Round Table so through the 512 climbing it was um within 500 feet 600 feet at the top and just totally lost the plot and bonked um, yeah well there's some hard climbing there's still, still really physical uh, climbing and my friend and i we were um, scotty burke off with or whatever yeah no slouch no it's still really hard <laughs> and the friend i was with pulled it off though because we mm. were um team freeing it sure which which was really fun and very challenging of how much gear we still we climbed with for the pitches we tagged on some of our gear right. up on the hard climbing but that was pretty neat. Um, and he stuck it in the end. I actually had a funny experience of, so I make this kind of self-care decision to not continue climbing that pitch and, uh, or not continue 
trying to free the rest of Freerider. We're like hour 17 and I decide there's no way I'm going to do this without it just being the most dramatic, drawn out thing and in which you're going to have to take all of my gear and maybe kind of yard me up this thing and me sort of like, oh, I'm freeing it. Right, yes. Right. And, um, <laughs> but I went up to the Adidas house after that. I'm so going to check the box on this one. So going to check. Yes. Sent. Um, I went up to the Adidas house after that, um, which there was. What is the Adidas house? Is there an Adidas house I was calling now? it the Stars and Stripes house, oh, but right. mine and Libby were trying to do the nose okay. as fast as they could, and um, Kevin was out there, and so Adidas had just thrown money at this house, and so we were having dinner parties so there. That's a part of these all these stories that never gets told. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like, oh, Stars and Stripes house, where we can have a shower and hang out with people, watch movies, and I went up there, and Maya, you know, who's just like such a crusher and so serious about it, like takes it professionally. Oh, I know. Um, She's been on the show. Yeah, so she takes it really professionally, and so she and I kind of are a little bit oil and water in some ways, and also there's respect there, but I tell her the story of how I got to the night's round table and just decided, you know, best self-care decision. Not gonna, not gonna try she anymore. And she just, she, wasn't she just gave me like this blank alien stare, in which I was like, <laughs> like, okay, yeah, you, no, you know, like when you're so tired and you just, you just can't, just like, huh? <laughs> All right, yeah, I know, I, I should probably do more crunches. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> guess I'm not gonna be the best. <laughs> Well, all right. There's always the free rider awaits your your efforts, <laughs> certainly. Maybe. Um, Had you been on it before? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Kate and I, Kate and I freed it. Right, right. Five, five years ago, and so um, no, I've been on it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it was still, it was definitely a kind of, kind of going for it. Didn't sure. know. I went up the Teflon corner. There are two ways to go up this yeah. one part, and I had never been on that, and so that was. Um, yeah, I was redlining a lot of my climate in a day attempts. Sure. So it's it's understandable why I crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna have to get some tips from James Lucas if I yeah try it again. Totally. <laughs> anyway, um, I just got an email from James, so we're pro- probably gonna be on the show soon. Again, oh great! So. Um, post free rider. Post. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a different era. I know. I just your whole mind is. Like expanded into this whole new world that no one else can really. What's the key beta? Go to Spain for three months. (laughs) I guess for him, for me, that didn't work so well. Um, I came back to rifle and just got completely destroyed. Yeah, it was a joke. Huh? Yeah, it was super bummer. Like I, I couldn't get off the ground on a couple of things I tried. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, the only way to get in shape for rifle is climbing rifle. That's the lesson there. Well, let me uh, wrap this up here. Um, you mentioned the word motivation or motivated or what mm-hmm. you're motivated to do over and over again. So what are you motivated to do right now? Not necessarily giving away specific goals. Um, yeah. Because the pre-send, I can only imagine the pre-send thing is not in your wheelhouse. The the telling people <laughs> what you're going to do. Um, I've never been very good at that. Well, um, it's not a, you know, that's, again, I'm not criticizing you. The pre-send is this new thing in climbing media. Where yeah. You, Talk about it before it happens, while it's happening, and then also hopefully after it happens. Although people have been running into this problem of 
not ever getting to the after it happens. Yeah. But anyway, what are you motivated in terms of climbing? Like, where are you at? I mean, you're here in Rifle, <laughs> apparently probably training for some bigger thing. <laughs> no, I'm actually trying to maintain while I'm guiding full-time this okay. summer. So, Who are you guiding for? Colorado Mountain School. Oh, right on. It's actually, I the know. Alma mater. You, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually My been, jam. It's been fun, but nice. it's definitely... Out of SSU, you climb it more down in Boulder. A lot in Eldo, but yeah. I had a really long petite grappon day oh, the yeah. other day. Fuck so yeah. Just like, I remember long petite grappon days. Yeah, we, I met the climb at 2, 2 a.m. at the trailhead. We, I know. We got back at 9 p.m. I've been there, sister. <laughs> more than you could care yeah. to count. So that's... Um, at least you got to do some technical climbing. Totally. That used to happen to me on the freaking north face of Long's Peak. I bet. On like the keyhole. Yeah. Uh, no, not the keyhole. I only got to the keyhole once, and the ki- it was a six-year-old kid, so I felt okay. Oh, wow. That. That's pretty so, cool. But, uh, no, oh. North Face, the uh, cable route. Yeah. Yeah. No, multiple 17, 18-hour days. No big deal. But we were only... Uh, we, it, I was actually just talking to somebody the other day, and it rem- I remembered that we when I first started there, uh, we were getting 75 bucks for a, for that, for a Long's Peak day. Yeah. 60, 60 bucks for a normal day. They gave us an extra uh, fifteen dollars to go up long speed. Yeah, well, the pay is still bad, but it's better than that. <laughs> Jesus, it oh. felt fine to me, man. Yeah, I was like, like, yeah, oh, I'm climbing, I'm whatever. I'm I don't care. Sick. We always used to used to try to get some sleep, you know, because you start at two. Yeah. But we always used to challenge each other to not to just. Yeah. Go you were to the so bar, young, it didn't matter. Go to the so. bar, hit last call, meet your client. Yeah. I don't know if anybody ever took that challenge. I never did. I you were in your 20s, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, early, early 20s. Yeah. But I always thought that'd be rad. Just be like, 145, get your last beer, meet your client at 2. And then do a 17-hour yeah. day. I was buzzed until like 5 a.m. But, well, you gotta, but then I, mean, I was sober yeah. and I was climbing. Yeah, because you're not going to start climbing until like five or six hours later anyway yeah. just walking so incredible tactics anyway sorry yeah. interrupting oh right we were talking about, about something you did the patika plan what you're motivated for yeah um i'm still motivated to climb on all cap so mm. what those roots are god i gotta get stronger for this mm-hmm. so there's that and then there's i feel like i haven't been having just pure adventures enough lately so um i I think I've had a little bit of a lull with having those partners that I'm really psyched to go on adventures with. So um, I see that beginning to shift. Like there are people I'm excited about climbing mm-hmm. with again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I it. think I did pretty well actually this past spring, which I did call gaycation because I started with my other gay climber friend who were, we together were incredibly juvenile. We went on a great gay adventure to Spain and Morocco, climbed and had a lot of fun, and then I got to go with my girlfriend to Columnus, and I felt like I was on like the realization process of being a gay climber. So now I think I've achieved that, and so my next goal <laughs> for 20, is it 2015 or 2016 that my next goal is going to be? I, at some point, want to be the climber having the most fun out there, and it's it's still, it's, yeah, it's still something I'm kind of grasping for. Right. So. All right. Uh, there it is. 
you should watch um <clears throat> more videos of of uh freaking sean and neil nico and those guys climbing oh and i have a really good story about seeing uh sean and those cats yeah. seem like no matter what's going yeah. on and how shitty it is and how bad it's getting they're like yucking it up and having a good old time yeah i need to learn how to play an instrument that might help it's like your muse for mm -hmm. all of that energy as you sit in a portal edge for yeah. 10 days uh yeah those guys definitely represent adventure and fun mm -hmm. to me <laughs> what was your funny story um when i was in kalimnos i saw sean uh, uh climbing there and he Climbs this long route. It was really fun to watch him climb. He climbs this long route in which you need an 80-meter rope for. He gets up to the top of it, and he's yelling down to his partner, who I thought was his girlfriend, but I have no idea. And he says, I'm going to jump. He's like, what? Like, I'm going to jump. What? One, two, three. And he just lets go. He jumps from the top. He hasn't clipped the anchors. And... um it's like, woo, on a big ride, and, like, his body was super relaxed because he thought he was just out in space. Hits the end of his rope and slams into the wall head first. Really? Yeah. And so he just had all this blood. So at first he was like, oh, and then he looks, and he's just got all this blood coming from his head. Mm -hmm. And he's totally mortified because he's just done this, like, 20-year-old dude move, you know? <laughs> And not only that, but she doesn't have enough rope to lower him. So he has to boink back up with his head bleeding. <laughs> it's just like this cascade of just ridiculous things that he had to go through to get out of his stupid decision. <laughs> he gets down to the ground and he says, that was pretty stupid. Huh? <laughs> like pure adventure dude finding adventure on the sport climb <laughs> i'm not gonna uh i don't know if i can post that story i don't think I, you can yeah because i don't i need i want sean to be on the show someday so the yeah cast can't be revealing uh -oh. his secret secret <laughs> no. stupid maneuvers but that said i always say i'm not gonna post something and i do anyway oh, so shit. there you have it well um I wasn't trying to talk badly about right. you, Sean. I was inspired that you were also trying to find adventure on a sport climb. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because you gotta, you gotta kind of squeeze and turn and he was training and like really try hard to find that kind of adventure in Columbus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really have to kind of work it, massage it, as it were. So, all right. Well, I think we're done then. Uh, thanks so much for sitting down. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm so. Glad we met so many years ago, and you have been an inspirational climber to me, so Thanks, I appreciate Jess. that. And uh, I'll be back in five years. Yeah, we have more to talk about. We didn't get to a lot of stuff. So, yeah. But it was a great interview. I really appreciate fun. it. Thank you. folks thanks for listening and again thanks madeline thanks for being so open that was awesome look forward to hearing about all this rad stuff you keep doing and i tell you when you google her she does some rad shit let me tell you stuff you'd never even heard about or i'd never even heard about and i know her i guess that's a little trad of her as well just do your thing keep your mouth shut
unless, of course, you're on the Enormacast. All right, folks, if you do want to help out with the show, besides supporting our sponsors, or if you just don't want to support our sponsors for some reason, <laughs> go to enormacast.com, click on the Help Out tab. There's some stuff you can do. It doesn't cost a thing. Things to help out with the Enormacast, so check it out. And thanks for the emails, even if I don't always get back to you. Keep those sticker requests coming. Send an address to chris at enormacast.com and then wait. Maybe a while. But it's fun when you've forgotten about it and then they suddenly show up, isn't it? You get out there, have some fun, be safe, communicate. Just read about another communication-based error accident. God damn it. Just communicate. Not just in climbing either, in life. Communicate better, okay? I could learn that lesson a little bit. And don't forget to check your knot. I'm going to give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe makes things happen and all you have to do is get in touch with it stop thinking let things happen and be the ball